Hey, this is Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the I Have for Evolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? Hey, it's Coach Freddie here, and I'm here with Colleen Cahey the founder and director of Tennessee Hemp Industries Association. How are you doing there, Colleen? Doing good, Coach Brady. How are you? Fantastic. Great. Uh, thanks for uh, putting me up here for a couple of days at your house while I was here in Murfreesboro. That's right. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, our pleasure. Thank you for coming. Okay, yeah. So uh, uh, you had a meeting uh, last Wednesday here that I participated in. Right. And uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, Tennessee Hemp Industries Association and where Tennessee is at as far as legalization of industrial hemp. Sure. So in terms of legalization, in 2014, we passed a bill that removed industrial hemp from the state's controlled substance list. So that would help us get around the um, issue of it typically being inflate, uh, conflated with marijuana, and it also allowed but also called upon the Department of Agriculture to create a agricultural hemp pilot program and would allow institutions of higher education to have hemp pilot programs as well. And basically, in a nutshell, we could say that our bill is in accordance with the federal farm bill, uh, but the federal farm bill is not referenced in our bill. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because sometimes these laws that are getting passed in accordance with the farm bill are contingent on the farm bill, whereas ours is not. So if the federal farm bill goes away, we can still move forward in the state with a agricultural pilot program. We won't be in compliance with federal law, but by state law, will be okay. Okay, yeah. So uh, you have uh, farmers that have uh, been planning for two years and some farmers planning for one year. Uh, this year, uh, how many acres do you uh, that they have planted so far about? I don't know the exact number of what has been planted. What has been applied for through the Department of Agriculture were 1,200 acres. Okay. And what will be harvested will probably be something below that. In our first year, we learned that 54 uh, or 52 applicants were issued or applied. They were given licenses and they applied for 1,400 acres in that first year. What they actually harvested was about 700, so half that. So, you know, we are expecting, you know, at least half that. We're hoping for more. Okay. All right. And uh, so tell us about some of your members that you have in the uh, in your uh, chapter here in Tennessee. Yeah. So we have about, well, we've had anywhere between 50 and 30 members of the Tennessee 
Hemp Industries Association. And we have three different subsets of membership. So we have a supporting member, farming members, and full business members. And as an association, we hold these meetings monthly. And for this year, 2016, it's been on the first Wednesday of every single month at MTSU and the Tennessee Center for Bot- for Botanical Medicine Research. And our members are some farmers, some business owners. Um, we just recently acquired a new member from the legal community, um, Mr. Alan Poindexter, who's also a candidate for our board of directors, has been working primarily in uh, with legal issues involving farmers and is one of the biggest crop attorneys in the state. And he's also um, a criminal defense attorney. So we're happy to have him join us um, simply because industrial hemp is still, by federal means, a controlled substance. And so we do have some gray areas and loopholes that, um, you know, we have to look at. Uh, Other members we have are farmers like Stephen Shoemake who has also uh, been a grower of sunflowers for many years. And it's my understanding that he holds shooting, you know, uh, pigeon shoots, uh, clay shoots, things like that where you involve um, uh, sportsman conduct with, um, you know, crops, which is really cool. And other members we have, we have Paige Thompson, her soap company was formerly known as Firefly Essentials. It is now known as Yanali Brands. And she has been incorporating hemp seed oil into her bar soap products. And I know that a goal for her is to source domestically. She's actually also growing hemp. So there's an example of someone who's involved in a business and a brand that is also utilizing farmland to um, create their own product or their own uh, supply. So uh, it's really interesting. We have a lot of variety of people of interest, of different entrepreneur ideas, um, different backgrounds, and we're really happy to have such a great group that works together. Well, great. I, I attended your last uh, meeting here uh, last Wednesday, and it was really great. Uh, we, you met at the college over here, and um, there was a professor involved also there. Tell us about uh, your association with the college and the professor. Yeah, so I'm an, um, an alum, an alumnus of MTSU, and uh, so is Clint Palmer, who, uh, you know, years ago was my intern when we started to work on getting hemp legal in the state. And since we are still here in Murfreesboro, and MTSU is a fantastic public university in the state, we've really leaned on it to see if we could get their participation. We've been really lucky, and we've had the support from Dr. Uh, Sidney McPhee, who's the president of the university, and we also had support from the Agricultural College. Now we have uh, Dr. Elliot Altman, who's the gentleman that you referred to, who is was the um, chairman of the uh, Tennessee Center for Botanical Medicine Research, which is a brand new facility on MTSU's campus and um, a huge, important uh, facility and and academic institution that was basically provided by the state of Tennessee. And so it's really important that we have their engagement, and we're really happy that Dr. Altman 
has taken our cause up and is going to be working on uh, cannabinoid research going forward. And he's going to uh, be mentoring Clint Palmer. And I know Clint is very excited about the opportunity to do that. It's very unique. Dare I say one of a kind opportunity, really. So, um, yeah. They, you know, Dr. Altman has really assisted us to be able to have the venue for our meetings. And, um, yeah, we're just happy to be able to work uh, in tandem with them. So it's been good. That's great. Yeah, I had a really good time when I attended the meeting there. And it's uh, a lot of variety of different people and a lot of new people, too, that that showed up and uh, had interest in industrial hemp. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, We... Continue to try and do list building for how we can make direct connects with new people. Uh, we have a contact list of about 700 in terms of who we can reach by our emails. And then we have um, a list of about 60 or so that are existing members of the TNHIA um, or were members at one time but didn't renew. And we keep them on that list just because... You know, there's no bad blood there. We want to make sure they remain involved. And and certainly it could be financial issues that are keeping them from continuing their membership. But, yeah, we try to do that direct communication. We have a really large social media following of about 9,000 individuals or more. that's great. So, um, and we've, you know, we've been able to cross-promote with um, people who are leading hemp efforts in their own communities such as um, a woman named Ashley Clayton. She's actually a member of the TNHIA, but she lives two hours away. And she's created her own Facebook uh, group or forum. And anytime we post about things that are going on, she then shares that on her um on her personal group page that she's got going in her community. There were several women that came to Wednesday's meeting from Chattanooga, and I have a hunch it's a result of, you know, her sharing that information. And so that's how we are able to, you know, recruit new interest and new people to join us for our meetings. I think, you know, I mean, you can can tell me what you thought of the meeting in, in terms of value for someone to commute. I think we... We're really trying to share information they wouldn't get otherwise and uh, keep everyone, you know, on top of any issues, you know, the department might be, you know, thinking about in terms of our program and and sort of, you know, how is the program doing? And I always, you know, tap into the Department of Agriculture before the meeting and try to have a discussion about, hey, where are we? How are things looking? Do I have any issues um, that I can report to the attendees? And, you know, what can we talk about that's good? What can we talk about that's not so good? And, 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 and try to get everyone to understand that, you know, we're professional and, you know, we're trying to do this the right way. And, you know, we want people who, you know, want to know how to go about this the right way to have the information they need to do it. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and I was really impressed uh, with how you ran the, the meeting. But one of the things that impressed me, too, is on your website, you have a way of people actually uh, sending a letter uh, uh, to their congressman. Uh, tell us about that, and it's on your website. Yeah, so um, 
you know, we understand that one of the biggest hurdles in terms of our progress is the fact that hemp is conflated with marijuana at the federal level, and it is on the controlled substance list as Schedule One, and this is a problem. I mean, at large, it's affecting the entire industry nationally. For us in Tennessee, I mean, you know, we do have this program, but um, a lot of people are, dare I say it's a southern term, but they're gun shy, you know, um, mm. of, of getting involved. Um, and, and a lot of the farmers that we really want to be working won't be able to do that. So the best way to go about it, and, and we try to focus on this every single meeting, is to say, you know, the Industrial Hemp Farming Act is a necessity to our progress. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, you know, it's sitting there. It's sitting there. And, and the other thing for us as the state of Tennessee is that we only have one co-sponsor for the, um, the House bill. And we need, you know, <laughs> you know, dare I say it, we need all of them to co-sponsor because we are a legal hemp state. We elect these individuals to go to Congress, and yet they're not representing their own home state by not co-sponsoring something that would benefit the progress that we're, we stand to make here. And so I try to have this conversation every single meeting because I think that we all become a little complacent and we all don't realize that our outreach to our elected congressional delegation is really the key. I've gone to D.C. multiple times. I've sat down with Senator Corker's staff and both times I've heard that constituents aren't asking for this enough uh-huh. and that's not the only reason that you know they've expressed that his co-sponsorship isn't likely but that was one of the first things that they've expressed to me mm-hmm. and so by that you know i can all i can do is ask you know our members ask our community ask our tennesseans to mm-hmm write these letters and make these calls because it's also important to call. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes the letters get tallied and marked and put in a file. Yeah. That's- so tell us how, you know, on, on your website, people can actually go to your website mm-hmm. and can you walk through that, that, that process? Because it seems so easy for people to do this. They right. go on your website and actually send the letter from your website. Right. Yeah. Well, and I do think that we do, we do have a link on tnhia.org. The best and easiest way to go about it for anyone, not just for someone in Tennessee, is to go to votehemp.com slash take action. And it's so votehamp.com slash take action. And that will take you right to a, a page that will let you send letters that are already drafted to hit all of the major key points. And what we're talking about is, is referencing the HIA's annual review of the market, which has indicated from 2013 that we are growing um, by a hundred million dollars almost every single year in terms of hemp products that we are in, you know, having imported. Yeah. I have some clothes on right now that are, I know they're imported, but they're hemp. Yeah. So yeah. Well, let's let the farmers uh, grow something so we can make it here. That's right. And so, yeah, the, these letters are drafted. They have this information in it. Um, and they talk about, um, you know, the states that are up and going, the progress that's been being made and that, the bottom line and, and the key point is that 
you know, we are now doing this in the United States and we have been for three years. Um, you know, four, if you count Ryan Laughlin's first field in Colorado. Yeah. But, you know, that's to say this is happening, but U.S. farmers are not going to be doing this in a commercial fashion because you still have hemp conflated with marijuana. Let's change it. Let's encourage our um, congressional delegation to recognize the the science and the education because many times I've heard that, um, you know, people can't tell the difference or that it's a slippery slope or it's the Trojan horse for full-blown legalization. Um, there's no point at which hemp is going to, you know, <laughs> hemp is by virtue an agricultural crop. And this is what we want for our farmers. It's not the Trojan horse. It's, it is cannabis, but it really is that separate variety that regardless of recreational legalization down the way, you're going to have hemp fields and you're going to have a hemp crop. And this is what we would like to go ahead and, and start doing. So it's all about educating them. And, and the talking points in the drafted letter at votehemp.com slash take action are really address all of the main issues. And you can always tell that, you know, who's reading it and who's not. Because um, oftentimes we do get the letters back, the responses from the congressional representative or senator who received the letter. And... Um, Many times you can tell it's just a, it's a form response, but yep. you know, they think they've gotten a form letter. So they just send a form response that doesn't address the issue. That doesn't make any mention of the bill that you've asked them to uh, consider or look at or co-sponsor. But sometimes we do get these responses where they feel that they are addressing hemp, but the truth is that they're actually addressing marijuana. And so we have to be real diligent about going back after we receive these responses that actually make no sense in the context of hemp and say, well, you know, I appreciate your response, you know, congressman, congresswoman, or senator. But the fact is that what you're talking about is marijuana and what we're talking about is hemp. And I'd love to talk to you more about how we're talking about something that's genetically different, that is an agricultural crop, and actually doesn't stand to risk all of the areas that you've cited in your correspondence. Because that happens a lot. And we can't, we can't just let them do that because that continues their perception that hemp is marijuana. And sure, they're both cannabis, but when we're talking about keeping this agricultural opportunity for the farmer, we might as well come back and, and explain ourselves without just rolling over and letting them kick us and say, oh, you know, we won't do it because it's marijuana. <laughs> yeah, and, and for the farmer, but for the farmer, that's just the first step. Then there's tons of people that get involved after that, the processing, right. the manufacturing, uh, the the sales of uh, uh, all the different variety of products so 25,000 or more can be made out of this from houses to cars to fuel to food right. clothing all these things yeah when you look at Canada and they've been they've had a legal uh, agricultural they've had legal hemp since I think 1998 and it's taken them many years I mean I would I would say that probably, you know, they really didn't get up and off the ground in terms of um, 
having the processing and manufacturing to create their goods and, and products and services till 10 years later. Yeah. And we're only, you know, four years in, including, you know, if we, if we start off with Colorado. And um, so we have a long way to go. I think a lot of the people who, who would, are on the fence about supporting us uh, or supporting the issue just think that, well, it's just not really doable. There's just no industry for it. Nobody can process it. Nobody can turn it into these products. And um, in some ways, you know, they're right. But I don't like the idea of making that um, the issue so that such that we're not focusing on getting there. Because when you look at Canada, they got there. Yeah, exactly. And so exactly. we need to get there. And um, we I need mean, to start. <laughs> well, we, well, we're starting, we're but started. we can't. I, I don't think our full and effective start will be until hemp is removed from the CSA. Exactly, and that's, that's the a, official start. That's right. And then from that moment, we can really start to see how this crop will be taken up as a as as a commercial crop for farmers and we need to be growing you know 500,000 to a million acres exactly. if we want to get into the business of um you know supplying biorefineries and 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 doing plastic bioplastics and and some other things that are that require mass production and also uh, you know a, a lot of processing so we want to get there and i think that the collective consciousness of people in the hemp movement are going to perpetuate this until it happens. I don't think we'll ever give up. That's it. We're going, we're on our way and we're going to get there. Well, uh, Colleen, thank you very much for being a guest on the I Hemp Revolution podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's well, good. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add uh, about industrial hemp or your association? Oh, well... I guess I'd just like to thank everyone in the state who has been working directly with me to make this happen for Tennessee. I have a really great advantage to have this perspective of what's going on in all these other states because of my role with Vote Hemp as the National Outreach Coordinator. And I love working with advocates to try and make this happen. And, and I especially like working with policymakers because it's really important to try and set laws in states that are going to be good for the state to get a good ground foundation for now um so i'm just thankful and i'm grateful and and i'm glad you were able to visit and uh let's just keep hemping on there you go all right thank you colleen you're welcome i want to thank our listeners for tuning in today and make sure that you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on facebook.com forward slash iHempRevolution. Like us and then tell your friends. Help us spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.